when we think of Mother's Day, there's probably two scriptures that I could say 90% of you think of one of these two scriptures when we think of Mother's Day. Some of you may not think of any scriptures at all. Maybe you just like Mother's Day, you think of flowers or Hallmark cards. But if I were to ask you what scripture do you think of when you think of Mother's Day or you think of mothers, you know, many of you will go to what uh, Pastor Brownie just read, Proverbs 31. But that's, that's talking about a godly mother. and not, not everybody here had a godly mother. It says her children will rise up and call her blessed, but not everybody's children will do that. As believers, we may not all have godly mothers. Now, I thank God I had a godly example in my mother. I had a godly father and a godly mother, and I thank God for that every day. Not all of us can say that. But what we can say is we all have mothers, and we are all believers in this place. And as believers, there's one verse that shows up multiple times in the Bible. That is, in fact, one of the five, one of the Ten Commandments. It's the fifth one. And that is honor your father and your mother. Honor them. And, of course, you may say, well, I have nothing to do with the Ten Commandments. That's the law. That's the Old Covenant. Let me explain something about that. There's some, there, there are some people out there right now that if you mention the Ten Commandments, they will put their fingers up in a cross like this, like you are just, you know, you're a legalist. If you're living life... For the law, under the law, or according to the law, you're going to have a hard time. We are called now in the new covenant in an age of grace. What a beautiful time to be alive. Doesn't mean that you can't look in the Old Testament and find Jesus. Doesn't mean you can't look in the Old Covenant and find God. It means if you live according to the law, if the law is your judge, if the law is your tutor, then you are forsaking the beauty of the grace that was realized in Jesus Christ. However, we can go back into those commandments of the Lord and find God in them. Find that those are his nature, his character, his ways. In fact, Jesus said that all the commandments are summed up in the simple two commandments of love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. It says on these two hang all the law and all the prophets. So if the sum of all the commandments in the end is love, then we can look back at some of those commandments and find love. We can look at the old in light of the new. Now, if you say, if you're still not convinced and you go, no, I still don't believe it. I have nothing to do with the Ten Commandments. Then let's go to Ephesians 6.1. And we'll read it from the New Testament for, for all of us here as the Apostle Paul himself quotes from it. Let me just say this. If you say you have nothing to do with the Ten Commandments, change your mind now. Don't, don't live according to the Ten Commandments. Don't live under the yoke or the bondage of the law. But realize that God's ways are His ways. And when we live according to grace, when we live according to His strength, His ability, you in fact go further than the law would ever have you go. If you listen to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching about what life in the Spirit is going to be like. He compares it with life under the law. He says, in the law you do this. In the law, it said, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, pray for those who pray for your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. He says, you know, you've heard it said this. Well, I'm going to tell you to go even further. You've heard it said that this is the punishment for adultery. I'm telling you that as people of grace, you don't even need to think about another woman. You see, because grace takes you further than the law could take you. Because you're living in the power of the Spirit. That's why if somebody says, well, I don't believe in tithing. Okay, that's fine. 
why don't you believe in tithing? Well, I believe it's under the law. Okay. Well, w- personally, my belief is if you if we can find tithing before the law was ever instituted. So I believe it was before and after the law. But even if you say tithing is just of the law, tithing is just a thing of the law. That's why I don't tithe. Then back it up. Be a person of grace and go further. If you say you don't believe in tithing, I better be seeing 15, 20% in the offering every, every Sunday, every Wednesday, because you went further than the law. Because grace enables you to do more than you could do. Grace enables us to go further. Grace enables us to, to live like Jesus instead of living under the bondage of the law. So when we read the Ten Commandments, you don't read it as these are my this is the law. This is my judge. If I don't do this, I'm cursed. You read this as this is the character of the God I love in these. I find him in these. I find the things he loves. I find the things he hates. And I want to be just like my daddy. I want to be just like my father. And when he says, honor your father and mother, Jesus repeats that commandment. The Apostle Paul, as we're about to read, repeats it in Ephesians 6. So this is not an Old Testament law truth. This is a God truth that you hang on. That's obviously important. It's one of the commandments that comes up over and over and over again. Ephesians 6, 1 says this. And I'll give you a chance to get there, but. Ephesians 6, 1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Isn't that beautiful? It's not a commandment with a threat. It's the first commandment with a promise. It has a promise. Well, we want to read what the promise is in the next verse. He says, so that it may be well with you. And that you may live long on the earth. This is the promise of God to you. That if you honor your father and mother, it will be well with you. And you will live long on this earth. Now you have to say, uh, you know, you may ask yourself, why is that? What's the law? What's the reason there? What is the purpose towards that? And, and, And we'll discover that it's not about your mom and dad. It's not about what they feel coming from you. It's really not about what they've done to you or for you. It's about what's coming out of your heart. It's about your condition. It's about your spirit. And God is blessing you with this word this morning. He's, he's blessing you by saying, honor them that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Of course, he goes on and says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then he goes to slaves. Oh, my goodness. We know that slavery is not of God. We know that even the New Testament, in, in, if you read it in several places, indicates that God is not a fan, is opposed to slavery. In one verse, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, listen, masters, don't you get... I mean, you get to a point where you think you're better than this slave. He goes, you people are no better than these slaves. God shows no partiality. In him there is no slave. In him there is no free. But Christ is all and in all. So we know that God's against slavery. So why is he telling slaves to do this? He says, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. See, nobody can own your spirit. With fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ. You see, that makes it easier, right? Because as a slave, you go, it's not right that I'm a slave. 
How is that fair? If God made me equal to that man, why do I have to serve that man? And he says, you, you don't need to serve that man. You need to serve me. Serve me. When you serve your master, you do it to me. Like you're serving me, like you're doing everything. So what joy does that poor slave who grew up all his life thinking he's nothing, all of a sudden he discovers through the truth of the gospel that he has worth, that he has value, that God treasures him, and that he says, now I don't have to work for a man. Now I'm working for Almighty God. And when you work for Almighty God, there's a reward. So he says, work as to Christ. Not by way of eye service as man pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. You see, a slave does not work from the heart. A slave does what he does because he has to do it. Because if you don't do it, you're in real trouble, right? And in in the ancient Roman Empire, if you uh, rebelled, if you went against the wishes of your master, he had a lot of rights. He had a lot of rights that you didn't have. And if he had wanted, if you were rebellious enough, he could have you killed. So the reason you do all these things for your master is not because you just want to. I just felt, I just love you. I just feel like making you breakfast in bed. Now you do all these things because you have to. But when you're working for the Lord, you do it from the heart. And all of a sudden a slave says, I don't, I'm not working for you because I have to. I'm working to, for you because Jesus said, go ahead and keep working. Well, why would Jesus give such a commandment? Jesus gave that commandment. You find out throughout the scriptures, throughout the New Testament, he's talking to slaves and he says, you do this so that you may win that master to the Lord. That by your service, because if you become just another rebel, if you become just another uh, slave that, that, that says, I don't have to listen to you, I don't have to listen to anyone, then that master is going to think, well, what do I have to do with this Christianity? Look what it's done. It's turned us an obedient servant into a rebel. That, it's a rebel's gospel. But instead, the servant begins to serve as, as to Christ. And this master realizes that this servant is, is a way better servant than he's ever been. That the gospel made him a better servant. Because now he's not working for you. He's working for Jesus. How would you do at your job if you worked for Jesus instead of your boss? Can I tell you, stop working for your boss. Stop working for your paycheck. Work for the Lord. And really, with him, it's not work, is it? It's his work working in us, right? Live in the Lord. And when you go into your job, you do the best you can. As Paul said, I worked harder. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. But that grace to me was not in vain, for I worked harder than all of them. But not me, but the grace of God working in me and through me. So when you go to work, you say, Lord, your strength is in me. You said, let the one who serves serve as as one who serves in the strength that God supplies. I'm going to serve in your strength. I'm going to serve my boss as if my boss is Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus Christ said, put fries in the fryer. And you do the best job you can at putting the fries in the fryer. And Jesus says, mop the bathrooms and somebody was just disgusting in the bathroom and you go in and you say well Jesus told me to do it and if Jesus told me to do it I'll do it with joy see it's a change of the heart not by way of eye services man pleasers but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill render service as to the Lord not to men 
knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Do you hear that? A slave who's going to die getting no reward for his work from men. The best he can hope for is just not to get whipped. He's going to die without any man giving him a reward for what he did. He doesn't get a paycheck. He doesn't get a prize. But now the Lord is giving him a great promise. Whatever you do, I'm going to reward you. It doesn't matter if your master never says thank you. I'm rewarding you. Can you imagine that slave stepping in to his reward? Thinking he's lived his life as a pathetic person. Thinking he's lived his life and no one noticed. Thinking he's lived his life as less of a man than those other people he knew. And he steps into the glory of the Lord. And he finds crowns and rewards and gratitude from Jesus Christ himself saying, You worked for me. Because through you, I witnessed to your master. And because of you, that man got born again. Because of you, that whole house got born again. Is what he says. And masters do the same thing to them. Give up threatening. Knowing that both their master is yours. And yours is in heaven. And there is no partiality with him. There's a whole book in the New Testament. I don't know if you've read it. But there's one whole book in the New Testament, which is basically just a letter saying, let your slave go free. Have you read that book lately? Philemon? It's in there. And it's all Paul. It's just Paul writing a letter saying, let the man go free. So we know that God is not an advocate of slavery. And yet now he said, slaves, you're not working for a man anymore. You're working for me. How does that relate to the honor that we talked about earlier? Because as believers... We've got to be different than the world. The world gives what they get. They give back whatever they've gotten. So they love when they feel loved. Right? I mean, it is very difficult in the world to love somebody that doesn't love you, isn't it? It's not going to happen in the world. We love and you go, I mean, we've talked about this many times before, but please bear with me. When, when I ask somebody in the world, why do you love them? They will come up with a list of reasons why they love them because they treat me like this, because they do this for me. They've always been there for me. Because blah, 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 blah. There's a list of reasons. And if that list of reasons wasn't there, they would not love that person. That's just being just a person I don't really care about. But as believers, somebody asks you, why do you love that person? Our answer can clearly be because I've been loved. Because Jesus loved me. This is what the scripture says. We love. It doesn't say we love certain people. It doesn't say we love certain times. It says we love. We love. (laughs) That kind of applies to everything, right? We love because he first loved us. We don't love because they treated us nice. We don't love because they were a good friend. We don't love because, well, they've always been there. We don't love because they send us a check every month. We love because he first loved us. You see, we don't give what we've gotten from the world. The world is not our source. The world is not our source of life. It's not our source of finances. It's not our source of anything. We have a different source. And Jesus said, oh, you know what? Let's just read what he said in the book of John. Because this is going to ring throughout the rest of this morning is what he says here. In verse 37 of John 7. John seven thirty seven. 
Jesus says these awesome and amazing words that, that will transform your life if you let them. John seven thirty seven. He's at the feast of booths, which is a seven day long feast. And they're looking, they want to kill him, but he hasn't let himself be shown yet. Then he manifests himself. Then he, I I imagine, slips into their midst without them knowing again. Last day of the feast, they probably wouldn't have tolerated his presence if they knew he was there. But as Pastor David probably taught you, those of you who have been around for a while, there was on this last day a scripture that they would read from the book of Psalms. It says, therefore... It talks about drawing from the well of salvation. And as they would read that, all of a sudden Jesus pops up and says, he cried out. That means he was loud, right? It means Jesus wasn't polite. He cried out in the middle of the feast. He interrupted everybody and said, if anyone is thirsty. Now, this is a great call out to anybody, right? If anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So they're talking about drawing from the well of salvation. They're talking about that. And he's saying, I am that well of salvation. He is, oh man, not only is he the well of salvation, but the book of 1 Corinthians says he's the rock that the water came out of when Moses hit the rock. You see, he is the source of all life. He is the source of all that we need, all that we get, all that we have supply is from him. So when Jesus says, when they're singing about Jesus and they don't even know it, they're singing, therefore, let us draw from the well of salvation. As they sing that, he says, if anyone is thirsty, can you imagine this guy in the middle of a crowd all of a sudden yells and everybody looks and he calls out, here's an invitation. Anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That's what you got to do. You got to come to him. You come to him and drink. How do you drink of Jesus? Can you drink of Jesus? Just can can you drink of Jesus just by a just a just a one time? Yeah, yeah. You know, fill me up, Lord, and and then that's it. No, 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 no. Drinking of Jesus is a daily beautiful process. It is something when you just marinate in who He is. You spend time thinking about Him, praying, talking to Him, worshiping Him, and as you do, you drink of Him. And what happens when you drink a bunch of something? You get full, right? The more water you drink, the more full you are of water. The more you drink of Him, the more full. You get. And what happens when you get too full? You overflow. And as you overflow, you pour out on others. Here's what he says. He who believes, listen, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me. So that's the first step of drinking of him is believing. In fact, that's the core of everything. Anything you receive from the Lord comes from believing. He who believes in me as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And if you look this up, it's not talking about a one time flow. It's a continuous flow for the rest of your life. As long as you drink, as long as you're in him, it is going to flow out of you rivers of living water. So what's going out to your buddies? What's going out to your friends? What's going out to your family is not coming from what they said to you. If they were nice to you, well, I can respond because they were nice to me. It doesn't matter. 
You see, it doesn't say, he who believes in me will become a jacuzzi of living water, where it's just recycled and it's just a soup that just stays there and nothing new ever comes in. It's gross, isn't it? Well, don't say I didn't warn you. You're a fountain of living water. It's always fresh. It's always new. You're not recycling emotions from people that have problems in your life and put it on on you. You may have had parents that were lousy. You may have had good parents, but you may have lousy parents that put all their insecurities, all their hurts, all their broken relationships and put it on you. You can either live the rest of your life responding to that. Or you can say, I've got a different source. I don't even need you to love me. Now, that's a hard thing to say. You may not, it may not be the will of the Lord if you say that directly to their face. That may cause some problems. But in your own heart, you can say, I don't need you to love me for me to love you. I don't need you to love me for me to honor you. Because we in the world, we honor people that we feel deserve honor. But the Lord does not say, honor your parents if they deserve it. He says, honor your father and mother. And that's all. And he gives you a promise to go with it. So we don't honor because they've deserved honor. We honor because we serve a God of honor. And we are now people of honor. We've received from the Lord. And now out of us flows something. So see, what I pour out to the world, we're able to love no matter what, how we're treated, no matter what people think of us, no matter what they say to us, no matter what they've done, we are able to love with the same intensity that Jesus loved us because he loved us before we ever did a thing for him. If Jesus just shot back to you what you shot to him, you'd be burning right now. But he didn't. He loved while you were yet sinners. Christ died for you. He died. He says, oh, says, you know, uh, most people would die for a good man. But Christ died for the ungodly. Ungodly. The rebels. The scumbags. The losers. The most hateful people in the world were the ones that Jesus said, I love you. He, we did not give him any dough to work with. We didn't give him anything to give back to us. It all came from his nature because God is love. And whoever is born of God knows God. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Whoever is born of God loves as he loves so out of your innermost will flow rivers of living water. So do you realize that there are people that the Lord says to honor and you don't have to wait for them to earn that honor. You've got it here because we are an honorable people. Because the Lord is worthy of honor. And when we honor them, we honor him. There are certain people in the New Testament that the scripture says that, that, that God says we are to honor. Father and mother are right at the top of the list. You know who else is there? Government authority. Does our society honor government? No. Our favorite thing to do is to make fun of them. Now, when I say our, I'm including myself in society. I'm not saying me and Tia at home are just making fun. Although I can do a good impression of the last three presidents. <laughs> but I try not to mock them while I do it. It's just, a, just an impression. <laughs> 
But one of, our, one of the, the society's favorite thing is to mock those in authority. And you know what, guys? They've done a lot of things that are worthy of mocking. Doesn't mean we do it. Why? Because we honor them as to the Lord. What is, I mean, why? Because there are certain things that the Lord has created that we honor the man in the position because God created the position. That's what the scripture says. He created authority. He created mothers and fathers. And we honor him by honoring them, no matter how bad they are, no matter how scum scummy they are, no matter how lousy they are, we honor him by honoring them. Because we say, I'm not honoring a man, I'm honoring a position that you created. And because they're in that position, I will honor them. The Apostle Paul was in a circumstance where he was on trial for preaching Jesus. And he was being treated horribly. I mean, they were rude. They treated him like a, just, just like an idiot. And he responds to the man that's making the accusation against him. And he makes a real smart, eloquently remark. You know, he, he's, he's a smart guy. He's witty, this Apostle Paul. Because the man, I mean, well, the man just slapped him. So, you know, Eric, how do you feel when somebody slaps you across the face? You know, you don't feel good. The man slaps him. He comes back with a good comeback. And then somebody says, you shouldn't talk that way to the high priest. And Paul goes, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were the high priest. I wouldn't have done it had I known that. This high priest is like the worst enemy of the gospel. And yet Paul says, because you're high priest. I am not going to talk to you like that. I'm going to honor you. That's huge. All right, well, let's let's look in um, Mark seven. In Mark seven, and we're going to go to verse six. How many of you remember, before we read that, you remember when Jesus walks into his hometown and, and, and they begin to say, who is this man and by what authority does he do these miracles and say these things? Now, they already know he's doing miracles. But they say, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? Aren't his brothers and sisters? Didn't we grow up with them? That's what they say. We grew up. His sisters still live in our town. Who's this guy? And he says, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own hometown. And it says he could do no mighty work there, save heal a few sick people because of their unbelief. So it equates honor with unbelief, right? It says a dishonor with unbelief. So they didn't believe in him. But listen, it doesn't even say Jesus didn't even say the Messiah should have honor. He says a prophet should have honor. He's not even asking that they honor him as the son of God. Just honor me as a prophet. But how do they dishonor him? Instead of looking and saying, here's a prophet sent by God. Now you honor the prophet because you honor God. Instead, they talk about the man. 
and who he is in the flesh. They say, we know his parents, we know his brothers, we know his sisters. You see, that's dishonoring them because it's removing him from the position that God gave him. Instead of looking at him as a prophet, they're looking at as Jesus the carpenter's son. And by doing that, they separated themselves from honor. And as they separated themselves from honor in their unbelief, they separated themselves from everything that Jesus wanted to do in their life. Jesus wanted to do mighty works, and he couldn't because they refused to honor him. Because when we honor when the Lord says to honor, when we honor who the Lord says to honor, doesn't matter who they are, we honor, we're allowing God to work in that relationship. If you have a lousy mother, if you, I mean, you know, no mother should ever be called lousy, but if you have a mother that really didn't treat you well, didn't, uh, didn't do the things a good mother should do, for whatever reason, when you begin to honor that mother, despite their mess-ups, despite their weaknesses, you honor them because that's something created by God. You're letting God into that relationship. You're letting God work in that relationship. You'll see miraculous things. Um, my wife and I just came back from Spokane where uh, her grandmother just uh, you know, passed on, went away from this life, went to the next. And... Um, you know, Tia's mother and uh, grandmother didn't always have the best of relationship. They, there were some stumbling points throughout life. And, and um, as I listened to Sherry, which is Tia's mother, explain it, she said I had a, she had a lot of bitterness over some things that just, just weren't quite right, just some things that were hurt. And she said to us, she said, well, and, and we were with Tia's old pastor uh, in Spokane. And she said, as, as you began to speak, she spoke to the pastor, as you taught us to honor our mothers, I began to honor her even though I didn't want to. And as I honored her, I saw things change. I honored even though I didn't want, I didn't, didn't feel that. I didn't feel that honor. As she began to honor her, she saw some things change. Wasn't that cool to see that that when you honor because the Lord told you to honor, you're letting him into the relationship. You're letting him in and he'll fix the broken things. He'll heal the broken hearts. And guess what? It's a lot easier for you because you no longer need to hear something from them. You don't need to feel something from them because everything you need, you're getting from him. When you can go into the world and not need anything from them, you're going to be the most powerful minister they've ever seen. The minute you can get the minute you become secure in what Jesus feels about you and how God loves you and you come to know and believe that love, you go into the world, be the most powerful minister they've ever seen because you don't need a thing from them. It doesn't matter if they stone you. It doesn't matter if they swear at you. You don't need them to like you. You just love them. Man, that's what the world needs. That's what, that's what Jesus made you to be, is a love machine. Please don't sing the song. Is a love machine, is somebody that's got his love flowing out of them. And as it flows out of you, you're not asking for anything from them. They can be the worst people in the world, and the same amount of love is coming out of you. Biggest jerks. Doesn't matter. I don't need anything from you. Now, now, you're going to get something back. They're going to begin to like you and love you. I mean, but even if they didn't, you still love. Even if your mom went to her grave 
saying you're the worst kid the world has ever seen. I can't. I'm so ashamed I gave birth to you. It doesn't matter. You love with the same intensity that Jesus loved you when you were a rebel. And when you do that, you're enabling God to step in because you've chosen to honor where you may have thought honor wasn't due, but you honor because he said to honor. This is what Jesus says in John. Sorry, Mark seven. Did I say six? Mark seven, verse six. Uh, we will start in verse five to give some context. The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do his disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with un- impure hands? The disciples were not doing the ritualistic washing that the rabbis had added on to the Old Testament. They had taken an Old Testament truth that, that God instituted so that the people wouldn't get sick so that they'd live. He told them, cook your food, don't eat pork because you. You know, there could be some issues with that, especially in a nomadic tribe that's traveling all over the place. Pork is not the safest meat to eat when you don't have proper cooking conditions and all of this. Thing. So wash your hands, all of these things. And, and so but but the rabbis added all of this. They added, well, you wash your hands, but here's how you do it. And here's here's all the steps. And they made it a big religious thing. And he goes, the Pharisees and the scribes said, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? Were you born in a barn? And Jesus goes, yes, yes, as I was. As a matter of fact. (laughs) So were they born with impure hands, or eat their bread with impure hands. And he said to them, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips. But their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines, the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. So honor is not just what you say, is it? You may think you're honoring your parents by just saying nice things to them, but that's not what honor is. Honor comes from the heart. And when honor comes from the heart, it comes out in your lips, it comes out in your actions, it comes out in everything. So he says, you've honored me with your lips, but that's not real honor. Here's what he says. You are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. (laughs) Isn't that the worst thing to be an expert in? You are an expert at creating loopholes in the Bible. You are an expert in setting aside the commandments of God in order to keep your tradition. That's That's not a degree you want. That's not a merit badge you want. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. Wow, that's harsh. But you say, if a man says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you is korban, that is given to God. If you said something is korban, that means it's dedicated to God. I can't use it for anything else. It's kind of like the RRSP of the Old Testament, right? It's just, it's korban. It's to God. Meanwhile... They live in a culture and a society where here's how you honored your father and mother. They took care of you when you were little. Now you take care of them. That was how he's called. That's what they called honor. And that's what God called honor. Not just you dump them in a nursing home and say, bye-bye, I'll see you in a few years. You took care of them because they took care of you. And it says, if you say to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you is korban, that is to say given to God, You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, 
thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you've handed down. And you do many things such as that. Now, what is Jesus saying? Jesus saying, honoring your father and mother in this case isn't just saying nice things to them. It's not feeling warm and fuzzy in your heart. He says to honor your father and mother, you need to take care of them. Do you see how it works in everything, though? If you really honor them. It's going to come out in everything. If you see your father and mother not doing well, you're going to sacrifice some of your own things for them, just like they did for you. So he says, that's real honor. Real honor doesn't come from your mouth. Real honor comes from your heart. In 1 Peter 2, and verse 11. Sorry, we'll, we'll start in verse 12. It says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. So in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake. Listen to that. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. So who are you serving? God. You're not serving a man, you're serving God. Honor all people. Listen to that. Honor all people. Why? What am I going on there? Why am I honoring all people? What am I honoring all people? Because there's a lot of really dumb people and I don't want to honor them. There's a lot of rotten, scummy people I don't want to honor. Why do we honor them? What do you honor in all people? You honor that they are still created in the image of God. You honor them as an image bearer of the Most High God, even though they may not be living like it, even though they may not have Jesus inside of them, they still bear His mark. They still bear his image and you honor what God created even when they don't deserve honor. You honor them. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. And we do. Honor the king. Many of you have heard me say this before, but the king is just the way we've translated that. To Peter in his day, honor the emperor. Who at the time, most of you know, was Nero, one of the worst emperors the world has ever seen, one of the worst rulers the world has ever seen, a perverted man who blamed the fire of Rome on the Christians to get the heat off of himself. As he blamed it on the Christians, the people wanted blood, and Nero was so happy to give it to them. You see, before he began to do this, he was already a sick man. The things that they would have, the things that they would do were just despicable. Nero, at one point in his life, married a little boy. Dressed him up like a girl, married him. That's the kind of guy he is. But then when he begins to persecute the Christians, he doesn't just throw them to the lions, though he does that. He persecutes them with such passion and fervor, finding them wherever they are and making them suffer for nothing that they've done wrong. He'd have parties. He'd put them up on a pole, douse them, 
with some sort of igniter fluid, light them so that they'd burn and be the lights of his party. As they'd scream, his guests would laugh. This is the man that is ruling Rome, making life miserable for the church. And Peter says, honor the emperor. The same emperor that would kill him, crucify him upside down. Honor that man. What a strange thing to say. See, honor does not have anything to do with them. It has everything to do with us. We honor because we are honorable people. And we have a God who put honor in our hearts. We were dishonorable people. We dishonored his name. We dishonored all of the things that he gave us. We were dishonorable. But when the love of God was poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But when Christ died for us and we accepted that and we accepted him in our life and we made him the Lord of our life, something happened to us. And now we who were dishonorable, we who were 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 filthy, we who were hateful became love, became like him and became honorable people. Because guess what, Nero? We don't need anything from you to give something to you. We don't need anything from you for us to honor you because we don't honor you because you're good. We don't honor you because you're fair. We honor you because God created government authority. And even though you're abusing it, even though you're horrible, even though you're going to have to face him on judgment, Day, we still honor you because we honor God who created your position. Huge thought. If you can honor Nero, you can honor your mom. Put that in a card. That's a submit that to Day Spring. I reckon if I can honor Nero, I could honor you. No, 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 no. I'm just showing you the extreme of the matter. The extreme of God's grace, the extreme of God's love, the extreme extravagance of what he's put inside of you, the ability to honor the dishonorable, the ability to love the unlovable. How much more can we honor our earthly fathers and mothers? He says this, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Wow. You know the original word there is not unreasonable? Do you know what it is? Yeah, it's in your, isn't it? Perverse. Isn't that weird? He says, honor, or he says, I'm sorry, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are perverse. You still respect them. Why? For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. In Romans 13, and if you could turn there quick, it'd be wonderful. If not, you just listen to me read it. Romans 13 verse 1 says, Every person, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Did you hear that? Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? 
Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what's evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes for rulers or servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. You may say, that does not sound like my ruler. He's not telling you that they're doing the right thing. He's telling you that's what they're there for. And when you honor them, you're putting faith in what God created, even though they may be failing. You're putting the faith in that's what they should be. I'm going to treat them like that's what they're doing. I'm going to treat them like they're the best ruler, even if they're the worst. I'm going to honor them because that's what God created them to be, even if they're not living up to it. I'm going to honor my father and mother like they're the best father and mother that the world has ever seen, even if that's not what they're doing. And he says this. Render to all what is due to them. Tax to whom tax is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Where do we get that love from? We get it from him. That's the fountain. That's what's flowing out. Is that supernatural love. Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. You know, this message this morning is not so much, it it may not be hitting as much for those of us that had good parents. Although we need to love them and honor them as God has commanded us to honor them. That's going to step up your game no matter how good they were. No matter how much you love them, your game's going to get stepped up when you know that love's coming from him. But even more so, guys, I want you to hear it. Those of you who had broken relationships, those of you who had earthly parents that did not live up to what they should have lived up to, there is an honor that the Lord can give you for them that comes from them. And when you don't feel like it, there is a love that he gives. And I want you to ask for it. I want you to want it. Because when you begin to honor those that don't deserve honor, God is invited into the relationship. And he'll heal things in your heart. You see, guys, this is the thing. You carry around the hurts of your parents. You carry around the abuse. You carry around the emotional dysfunction that you grew up with. And when you let forgiveness work, when you let love work, when you let honor work, those things get healed. They get better. 
Now, I know you say that sounds hard because I still don't trust people because of what my mom did. I still, don't, I, I still can't trust men because of who my father was. It doesn't matter. Listen to me. If you will let God work there and you'll honor no matter what they did, you'll love no matter who they are, God fixes broken things. And because you're no longer, see, this, this is the thing. As long as you're putting the requirement on them, to be something so that you can give this back to them. Do you know what's happening? You're drinking of them. You're drinking from them, their well, and their well is poison. But when you're saying it doesn't matter who you are, I know who he is. You're drinking of him. And there is a fountain that flows. There is a stream that comes that makes glad the cities of our God. And no matter how much you've been abused, no matter how much you've suffered, no matter how much you've been mistreated by government, by bosses, by fathers, by mothers, by siblings, whoever it is, there is a love that is stronger than what you face. There's a love that's stronger than the circumstances you've been placed into. And I know it's not fair, but you will have a reward. I know it's not fair, but there is a God who loved you when it wasn't fair. God is not fair. Let's get that straight. He's just, he is righteous, but he's not fair. Because if he was fair, none of us would have lived. He's better than fair. He is good. And his mercy endures forever. What does that mean? If he is good and his mercy endures forever, can I be good and my mercy endure? I can If the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever, how can I be good? How can I show mercy? By drinking and drawing of His well and letting that flow out of me. So fathers and mothers, we honor them. Now many of you grew up in a good family. You had good fathers and mothers. Honor them, not just with your words, but let God pour out His honor. Because guess what? Even if they were good, even if they were great, don't draw from them for your response to them. Draw from the Lord. You'll find your response to them will be better than it ever could have been. You know why? Because preachers who preach long enough can, get, can be good even in their own strength. They can draw from their own experience. But you know what? That's not going to change anybody's life. If I just drew from the experience I had... There'd be people that might say, that was fun, that was entertaining, that was nice. But nobody's changed. So what do we do? We let the Lord speak through us. We draw from His strength, from His anointing, right? In the same sense, in your relationships, doesn't matter how nice your spouse is, doesn't matter how wonderful your parents are, doesn't matter how great your coworkers are, don't draw from them to get your love back to them. Don't draw from them so that you can treat them well because they've always treated you well. doesn't matter how great they are or how lousy they are. Draw from the Lord and pour out into them. And you'll find that now you're not just a nice person. You're an anointed person. Isn't that different? Because anybody can be nice to those that are nice to them. But now you are anointed. Now the spirit of grace is flowing through you. Now that strength that God gives um, enables you to love with a supernatural love. And it's stronger. It's stronger than your own strength. It's stronger than your own emotion. It's stronger than your own experience. What a great God. What a great love. 
So we honor because he gave us that honor. We love because he first loved us. Now, I have a wonderful mother. This Mother's Day, I've got a great mother, but I'm learning. I'm learning. That I can honor her from the well that God gave me instead of just saying, well, she's a good mother. I honor her because she was a good mother. Instead, can I honor her even greater than I've honored her before? I believe I can. I had this experience yesterday on the plane. And I know this is going to sound elementary to most of you because you go, of course, that's, that's what's supposed to happen. I was reading some scriptures about what Jesus did for us, about him reconciling us to himself, about him becoming a sacrifice once and for all. And I was talking to Tia after as we got into the airport. It was the strangest thing because I've always, I've always loved that and I've known that, and I've let that flow out of me. But the more I thought about it, the more I wanted to get off that plane and love. I just couldn't wait. Because it's really true when you meditate on his love and how much he's loved you. That love is a force. That love is a powerful force. And I just couldn't wait to get off the plane. I couldn't wait to get home. I was so excited just because he did it. He loved me. And when we realized that's the well that's meant to be flowing all the time, your coworkers are going to say stupid things. Your brothers and your sisters, your fathers and your mothers, your bosses, your prime minister, no matter who you voted for, is going to say something or do something you don't agree with. You honor from the well. You draw from the well and you give out. You give honor. You give love. Where it may not be perceived to be deserved, you give it, you give it, you give it. And as you give it, people are blessed by the love from God and not just the love from you. See, many of you have husbands and wives that you learn to love just because they're so good at being a husband and wife. But you know what? Even greater than that, and, and that, keep that up, that's great. But even greater than that is saying, I love you just because I'm loved by the Father. I love you because he first loved me. And, and spouses, I don't want you to get insulted by that and go, really? Because I've done a lot for you. You ever be insulted when somebody says, I love you with the love of the Lord? And you go, ah, what, are you, what are you saying? You're saying I'm a jerk? What? Come on now. No, no, no. It's, don't get insulted. Just go, thank you. Because that love's going to endure. That love's going to change what couldn't be changed by natural love. This is the real love. This is the real deal. So we honor them. And, and this morning, if we could stand, I want us to have a heart of honor. And um, I want you to honor your, if you've still got mothers around, if your mother's still on this earth, do everything. Pray about it even. Pray about how you can honor them. Not just this day, because it's just one day throughout life. But I, I really feel this morning that, that there are still some people that are walking around carrying some broken things because they haven't had the best relationship with their mom. Maybe you haven't had your best relationship with your mom or your dad. In fact, let's include fathers in that. Maybe you just did not have your best relationship with them. There were some broken things. 
and you're still feeling the effects of that. And you're finding it hard to talk to them, to love them, to honor them. Maybe you could say, I honor them, but I, I still find that cropping up in my life in different ways. We want to minister to you. If that's you and you say, listen, there's no shame here. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. It may be a small thing. Listen, we're not going to judge your mom by who comes up. We're not going to say she must have been horrible. He must have been a bad father. We're not going to say that. We don't know what you're com- We don't know exactly what's going on. It might be a little thing. It might be a big thing. But if you're walking around carrying some of that hurt, if it still affects your life, I want you to be free from that. I want you to be absolutely free from those hurts. We don't want to pass that on to the next generation. We don't want to pass that on to the people that are going to be born again and come into the church and, and that you're meant to mentor and, you know, help and, and uh, love without, without hesitation. I mean, I know, I know women that still can't trust other women. I know men that, that uh, never feel that they have the right to speak ever because, you know, they were always told to shut up. I know, I know that this happens. doesn't matter. If this is you and you've been walking around with some broken things because of that relationship, you say, I want to honor them from a pure heart. I just want to, I just want to be able to love them purely and fully. I, I want to feel for them what, what God feels for them. I want to feel for them what God feels for me. If that's you, would you come up? We just want to pray with you. We want to see healing in those times. Pastor Brown, you got something? Uh, Jonathan, while you were ministering, the Lord just uh, uh, reminded me that Many times, your your father or your mother might not be on this earth anymore. Yeah. And uh, sometimes we think, well, it's, you know, too late. But you, you can still honor them, whether they're here on the earth or they're not on the earth, yeah. because, it's, because it's a spiritual thing. It's from the heart. It's you and God connection, not... No. It's not a flesh thing. So honor... Will have actions to it is what you were saying this morning. It's not just in word, but it is an action. But if you can't have an action toward them, mm-hmm. you know, you can first of all fix your heart about yeah, it. That's right. Second of all, it'll change the way you talk about them. Yeah. You know, they might be gone, but you'll speak honorably of them. Amen. And you won't speak of how negative things that have happened because you've forgiven, yeah. you're free. So why bring it up again? Yeah. You know, you get healed from that. That's yeah. what God wants to do today. So it doesn't matter if they're here on this earth or they're not here. If you need to get some things right, then do it today. God wants to heal you because honor produces honor. Amen. And if you want your children to honor you, if you want other people to honor you, it's, it's just a, it's a sowing and reaping thing, isn't it? That if I'm honorable then I, I receive honor. Yeah. But the first point is I have to be honorable. Amen. Amen. So if that's you, would you just come up? And we're just going to believe that the, the broken things are mended. That the, the, um, the damaged things are going to be healed. You know, I, I just, as we're, just as we're just in this attitude right now, I'm just reminded of, of that great scripture first in the Old Testament, then, then later in the life of John. Where God promises this. He says, the crooked places I'll make straight. He says, every valley will be lifted up. 
and every mountain shall be brought low. And, and I think that there are valleys in our own soul that have been there because of hurt and broken relationships and, and damaged things. And I believe that those valleys are going to be raised up so that you can look at your heart and you don't see, you don't see the trenches of past hurts, but you see a whole brand new heart that's, that's, that's just clear across. It's not, it's not rough. It's not broken. It's not cracked. It's, it's whole. We're going to believe for wholeness. And Pastor Brownie, I want, uh, if, if you could, you know, I'm reminded of what we read as we um, study the book of Deborah. There's a book of Judges about Deborah. And it says um, that there was, there was trouble. The peasantry had ceased in Israel. Until I arose, till I arose, Deborah, a mother in Israel. And I really think that, that as, as the mother that you've been, both in the natural and the spiritual, if you would be able to lay your hands on these people, I think that they, that just, just from that heart, from a mother's heart, if you could lay your hands on them, and we're going to see healing come. So, f- friends, I want you to lift your hands right now, and we're going to pray. And after we pray, I, uh, Pastor Brownie is going to lay her hands on you, and I believe things are going to get healed. There's going to be places in your heart that you haven't ventured to. There's going to be places in your own emotions that you haven't even thought to approach that you're going to be able to walk free and clear from every yoke of bondage. Every every pain is going to be lifted. And you're going to be able to love from a pure heart, from an open heart, without hesitation, without insecurity, without fear, with pure love. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you in faith, knowing that you are the God who mends the broken hearts, who binds up the wounds. Lord, you are the God who poured out his own life for us, who shed his blood for us, that we may be healed by your wounds. We were healed. And I pray, Lord, that that you would enable us to love the ones that maybe didn't earn that love. That you would enable us to honor the ones that may seem dishonorable. But in the name of Jesus, you would do a work in our own hearts that we'd be able to love with a pure heart, with all compassion, with all strength, by the anointing of the power of Jesus Christ. We would walk in love, we would be able to honor, and we would be healed from the inside out in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus. We speak over these hurts, these these damaged places, every familiar spirit that has bound themselves to these people reminding them of what their parents might have said about them, reminding them of what a sibling or or someone else might have said negative about them. We speak against those words. You said that every tongue that rises up in judgment against you, you will condemn. We condemn them right now in Jesus' name. Those words will not prosper in their life. Those words, those, those painful words will not define their destiny in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus.